Hey y'all, it's Sam. Hey, and Steven. And this is Crimeology. We just made a joke that Steven was gonna drop out this week and not show up this week because of his sincere thanks that he did last episode. It made it sound like he was ten episodes and done. Like that yeah, was it. Yeah, once whenever we got done with it, I was kinda going through and doing a little bit of editing. I told Sam, I was like, yeah, it kind of seems like I'm, like, leaving the podcast now. And that's, <laughs> Thanks for my time. That's definitely not it. Well, I'm, uh, you know, unless the there's a revolution and I'm You realize I'm how crazy out. I am and <laughs> what right. we're actually doing. Um, but no, he's here, and we are here for episode 11. It's wild that we're here for that long. Um, so thank you guys for continuing to support and listen to us. Um, we're still having so much fun, so much fun to the fact that I completed five future episodes (laughs) in two days. (laughs) Um, so I'm having fun researching and looking into all of these cases, um, using every ounce of spare time I have to look at these. Which apparently she has a lot because Sam told me she got done with about five episodes today. Um, But just thank you guys again for listening. We're still having so much fun. We're we're hoping you guys have fun too. Um, Today's episode is, should be sponsored by TikTok. Um, I think I've mentioned before that I am on true crime TikTok, so I'll have, you know, random people and then it's like a random, here's a true crime case. Um, this case in particular also has a Lifetime movie that was just released. Uh, the movie is called The Girl in the Basement. Um, and so we will have that link on our Facebook page if you want to go and watch that movie. Um... But this week's episode is sponsored by TikTok and Lifetime. So we're super excited. Unofficially sponsored. Unofficially, sorry. Um, But yeah, so we're just going to jump right into this week's episode. So this case is about Elizabeth and Joseph Fritzel. They are father and daughter. And what you can probably guess from the name of the movie is that Elizabeth is locked in her father's basement. The details you don't get from a TikTok video, though, is that she's held in this basement for 24 years. It's a little bit longer than what we had in last week's episode. I was just about to say, we just, like, over the moon about the fact that Michelle was kept for 11 years, and here we are with Elizabeth for 24 years. We are, we're we're doubling down on this one. Right. (laughs) Um, August 28th, 1984, Joseph goes to Elizabeth and asks her for some help to move a door into the cellar. He had been working on this addition to the house for a very long time, and this door was the last final thing that the cellar needed. So after they get the door in, they get it placed, Elizabeth, like, turns to leave. When then Joseph holds a cloth soaked in ether, is that what it's called, Stephen? I didn't. I have a hard time with names, and I didn't ask you how to pronounce this beforehand. So I hope that's how you pronounce it. Sure, we'll we'll run with that Perfect. until I update you later. <laughs> um. So he holds this cloth over her mouth, and this is how, you know, she kind of goes unconscious, and this is how he gets her to stay in the cellar. So of course, like right off the bat, Elizabeth's mother Rosemary 
notices that she goes missing and she files a missing person case. Now, about a month later of her being missing, Joseph goes to police and says that he has a letter from Elizabeth. And the letter basically says she's tired of living at home. She doesn't want to live with her parents anymore. And she goes off to live with a friend. It also gives a warning to her family that says, like, don't search for me or I would leave the country. So basically, like, I'm gone. Deal with it. Leave me alone. So Elizabeth really did write this letter. I mean, over 24 years, she's kept prisoner. So her father can make her do whatever she wants to um, or whatever he wants to. So anyways, he makes her write multiple letters to keep this story going. This is just the first one. Joseph even tells police that Elizabeth left to go join a cult. <laughs> um, wow. Right. That's a, I mean, that, that's a good way to kind of keep the authorities off you for at least a little while. I just would have never thought a cult, like, I, as a lie. I would have never. But anyways, um, so during Elizabeth's time in the cellar, she gives birth to seven children. <laughs> that, seven children. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep. Wow. <laughs> One child passed away shortly after birth. Three of the children stayed in the cellar with Elizabeth. And three of the children Joseph took upstairs and they ended up living as foster children with Elizabeth's family. <laughs> this story is wild. So, Joseph, I mean, obviously, you bring the kids up, and then you've got to explain how the kids come about. So, Joseph has an elaborate story about how the three children, they all just so happened to show up on his doorstep, so he needed to take care of them. Now, of course, this happens, and social services get involved. But the thing is... Social services approves them each time to become foster parents to these children. Wow. So now because of that and because the children are now living in the house, the family receives regular visits from social workers who didn't see or hear anything weird with the family. So not only 24 years are you going missing, but then now three of your children are living upstairs you have social services, social workers in your house constantly, and nobody even knows anything, which just adds a whole nother level of, like, what the heck to this story. That must have been the most, like, relaxed social service workers ever. Right. Like, oh, yep, everything's fine here. Check. <laughs> All right, next house. The family also rented out rooms of their home to different people just to get some extra money. So when this case went to trial, close to 100 people were questioned because they had stayed at the house at some point. Um, some of them did say, you know, that they heard stuff coming from the basement. Um, but it was never like, you know, they, they never reported like screams or anything. It was just kind of like stuff bumping around, like just kind of, you know, weird things that you would hear in, in a basement. Um, but that's also just a wild fact is that 100 people are questioned because, I mean, in 24 years, you have that many people kind of in and out of your Airbnb you have in your house. But the, just these factors to start it off is wild. 
Um, so the children who lived downstairs, or sorry, the children who lived upstairs with the parents were Lisa, Alexandra, and I'm going to butcher this name, Monica. I got it right. Yeah, it's right. spelled wrong, um, or not wrong, it's different. Um, so I butcher names. The children who were living in the cellar are Kirsten, Stefan, and Felix. So I like to mention little details like this because sometimes in a case we can do a lot of talking about the person who committed the crime and we don't really talk about a lot about the person on the other side of the crime. So I just wanted to say their names and acknowledge them. Um, I also just like kids and I like names. Um, So (laughs) my mind instantly goes to like, did Elizabeth name the kids? Like, do the yeah, names who, who named these right, kids like do the names mean something to her like that's just when you have seven kids i'm like okay how do you come up with names at that point because goodness gracious but anyways that's just where my mind goes to and i like to say the people's names and kind of acknowledge them so getting back into the story i'm gonna talk about the cellar itself now it was only five foot six inches tall and about 590 square feet So I read square feet and that does nothing for me. I couldn't tell you how big that really is. So I Googled it. (laughs) Of course you did. Instead of asking me who, you know, generally has a relatively. Right. I Googled it. Um, And I tried to figure out how big that was. And the kind of biggest result that I could, the visual result I got was that a lot of tiny homes are about 600 square feet, but that's for one person. That's not for four people. Um, and so what I found to also kind of help me, it said to imagine, this website said to imagine like a three-car garage, which seems like a lot of area, but Joseph added different walls to kind of separate rooms. So it's not this big open area you would imagine. Um, in this area, they had a kitchen. They have a bathroom. They've got a storage area kind of thing. He also made three small open cells. And then room for two sleeping areas with two beds each. So basically in this area, you've got you know, your kitchen, your bathroom, and then I'm guessing, you know, an area to like eat. So you've got all of that. And then you've got three cells, but then also two rooms. So basically you've got this like seven room cell, um, which space it out and it turns this big area into kind of little area. Um, they did have a TV, a radio and a cassette player, Um, And in their kitchen, they had a fridge and just some hot plates in order to heat food up. The crazy thing about this area of this cellar is where they, they had to unlock eight different doors just in order to get to the cellar. And then two of these needed to be unlocked electronically. So like that also goes back to like the social workers coming to the house, like, you he could unlock one door and then the next door and then the next door but then you've got to unlock eight doors to get so at some point they're probably like okay yeah we 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 don't need to go to the basement i guess i guess you're good good yeah we don't need to we don't need to worry about this we we see you keep everything right under lock and key here it's fine um 
So in addition to the eight doors, uh, Joseph tells Elizabeth and the kids that are down there that if they tried to escape, they would be gassed or the cellar door would electrocute them and they would die. These both came out to be false. He didn't have some elaborate gas machine trigger thing. Um, It was just something that he said to scare them. Joseph would often turn off the lights to the cellar or refuse to deliver food to them as punishment. They spent so much time in the dark that when they were rescued, they had to go like through light therapy to introduce themselves to just the light that we see in our everyday world, which is something I never... It's it's mind-boggling, really, is what it is. I mean, because you think of... I mean, like, we've got on a couple lights in here, and, like, it's, like, it's normal for us. But, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, if, you know, you if you're... You years in dark. Yeah, well, and especially, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night with no lights on, I mean, you're you're kind of going opposite there. Right. But, I mean, you can't see, you know, I, first thing I got to do is I grab my phone and, like, right. I shine it so I can see what I'm doing so I don't, you know, kick my toe and, and, and break it. <laughs> And then you think about these kids who literally born in this cell, so this is all they know, and all of the light they have down there is the only light they have. So that was just, you know, you obviously you think about them being born in the cell, and you think of our and and just the fact that it's five foot six, so I'm five nine, so that means I'm having to hunch over at least a little bit in this cell the whole time. Um, so not, you're, you're obviously thinking about all the other stuff that they have to deal with, but then light therapy is just the last thing on my mind. But anyways, it was just, a uh, something that they had to go through that I was like, wait, what? That's a thing. Um, but this is when things changed for Elizabeth and the kids and they get a little bit of hope. On April 19th, 2008, Kirsten falls unconscious, so Joseph agrees to have her sent to the hospital, and she's admitted into the hospital with life-threatening kidney failure. While at the hospital, Joseph told hospital police that he found Kirsten with a note from her mother asking for help. (laughs) Now, the hospital staff question Joseph's story, so they go to police And then police end up putting something on TV asking the mother to come forward and give them any more information. Um, This also caused the police to reopen Elizabeth's missing person case just because of how Joseph was acting at the hospital. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of makes sense, too, of like, okay, there's this, you know, smaller child. Okay, and then, you know, she went missing you know, so many right. years ago, it's like, okay, you know, maybe there's a correlation there type right. of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, at this point, you have those three kids who he has convinced everybody just showed up on his doorstep. So part of me is like, you get a fourth kid, like at that point, <laughs> I would think like, oh, well, I guess that's what you're known around town for is drop your kid off at Joseph's house. He'll take care of it. Right. Yeah. Um. But still, I'm glad that they were like, "Eh, no, that's not normal. (laughs) Um, But then police started looking at the letters that Joseph was receiving. They end up taking the case and the letters to a church official and an expert on cults. This was a title he has. 
this is a title that I think I want. Like, I want to be able to say, like, I know it's just how do you get that title? Like, is there a class? <laughs> what do you do? It, it almost might be one where it's just uh, it's just made up. You know, you just give yourself that title. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm an expert on, uh, the, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. I was just like, expert on Colts. Let's do a deep dive. <laughs> is there a class we can sign that's up a, for? That's a whole bonus episode we've got to get into. <laughs> right. Um. So this guy had doubts of the existence of the cult just because of the details that Joseph was describing about the cult and when he was reading the letters the guy said that they sounded oddly written and like they were basically like someone was forcing her to write it so he figures it out um, and just kind of tells police like this is my findings so on April 26th Elizabeth is begging to be able to go to the hospital and check on her daughter so Joseph agrees, and sometime while they're at the hospital, the police is tipped off that he's there. So police come, and they pick Joseph and Elizabeth up for questioning. So then they get to the police station, and Elizabeth doesn't say anything to police. She, do- she makes police promise that she will never have to see her father again. When they make this promise and she believes them that, okay, their promise is legit, that's when she spends the next two hours going every over every single detail that happened in her life in the last 24 years. So, that's very impressive that it took her only two hours right, to do honestly. that. I mean, I think when we talk, you know, when we catch up on stuff, it's like we take two hours to talk about the last, like, three weeks. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, but, I mean, that's... That's the crazy part to me of it's it's only two hours. Right. I mean, but I guess it's kind of just, okay, this is what happened. Let and me go get my kids. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it's, you know, it's not like last week's episode where they took notes of like, okay, right. this happened here. I mean, she didn't really have that opportunity or, you know, anything like that. I mean, it's more or less a, all right, so, you know, this happened here, you know, da, da, da. This I, is also the first person you're talking to in 24 years. She's probably who, like, Who's oh. not, yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, Joseph is arrested the same day. And then Elizabeth's mom, when she <laughs> finds out, she's unaware of what was going on this whole time. I guess uh, she was one of the uh, the Child Protective Services people. Right. Because, I mean, hello, like. <laughs> You've got to be, I mean, something has to be going on in your head of like, oh, well, these kids are showing up and this and that. And like, what is going on? What? Like, hello? (laughs) Right. So um, a DNA test is done on all of the children that proves that Joseph was the father to all of the children. But his defense lawyer goes further and says that, well, just because they're his children, doesn't mean like yeah you have evidence that he is the father but now you need evidence of rape and enslavement i was just like what (laughs) man that's a that's quite the reach on that one uh, so about a year before their rescue joseph made elizabeth write another letter this letter was indicating that he may have been planning on letting the children and elizabeth go saying that he rescued his daughter from the cult. Um, This was just kind of some information that I wanted to put out there. Um, 
I mean, obviously, anyways, I just, devil's advocate, I guess is what you could call it and throw that out there. And we do, I didn't want to just make it seem like we're bashing this guy constantly. I mean, what he did was horrible, but throw this little detail out there to give him to play devil's advocate. Um, police did keep their promise to Elizabeth about never having to see her father again. So she didn't have to testify in court. Instead, they were recorded her giving her testimony. And that's what they showed at the trial. So during the trial, the jury had to watch 11 hours of testimony that Elizabeth recorded. Um, and so listening to what Elizabeth went through was so bad that jurors could only watch about two hours of film at a time before they had to take a break. Um, besides the video testimony, Elizabeth's brother testified and said that he was physically abused by his father as a child. And then while Elizabeth's testimony was given, she was in the visitor's gallery in disguise. She wanted to be there to get more information for the book that she was writing at the time about her life. Um, now, this is when Joseph, this is wh what's wild to me. When Joseph realized that Elizabeth was there, everything changed in his demeanor. Of course it did. So he starts this trial by saying he was not guilty. Like, I'm not guilty of rape. I'm not guilty of enslavement. But after seeing Elizabeth, you could physically see him go pale and he starts to break down. And then the next day, Joseph goes to the judge and he changes everything and says, I am guilty. I did do this. Like, I need to be put away. I'm, I'm done for. So, like, that's what's crazy to me is that he sees his daughter up there and then you physically see him change his story. Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm sure it was a, I mean, obviously it was a complete 180, but, I mean, you know, 24 years of that is just probably, I mean, he it probably all came rushing back, and he instantly, that's, that's probably why he flipped his story so quickly. Right. That's also why I wanted to mention about the letter that he made Elizabeth write that made it sound like he went and rescued them was because I think in this moment, um, I think he probably had a lot of people who were like, if you say this, if you say that, you'll get off free. You know, like obviously that's what his team is supposed to do. But then, so I think he goes into this with already kind of some regret and some, I don't know what another word is, because he made her write this letter, so he's already regretting his decision. He's already thinking, like, this was a bad idea. Like, what am I doing? And then you see your daughter, who you just kept hostage for 24 years. And then you're like, yep, I'm done for. This is it. <laughs> right. Um, but then finally, on March 19th, 2009, Joseph was sentenced to life in prison without whoa, possibility of parole for 15 years. And he said that he would never appeal. So that was another thing is like after seeing his daughter, he's like, yep, I'm done for. That's it. And I won't appeal. I will live out my time in prison. So 
thanks TikTok and the people of TikTok and my For You page for this episode. Um, I have yet to watch the Lifetime movie, um, but these are, I mean, Lifetime thrives on these kind of movies. Oh, yeah. So, um, but that is the story of Elizabeth. So now we're just going to take a few seconds to talk about our real sponsor for this episode. All right. So now we are going to continue with my favorite little segment, our Florida Man Minute. This is where Stephen Googles the words Florida Man with a random date. And I sit over here and I giggle at what Stephen comes up with. All right, Sam. So as always, I've got to ask you, where is your... Uh, and putting putting fancy in quotes because you know we live in Oklahoma, so there's not a whole lot of fancy places here for us to eat. Right. But what is your quote unquote fancy favorite place to eat at? <laughs> Basically, here let's put it this way: we're making a trip to Tulsa, and you get to pick where are we going. Fancy. Qu- quote fancy. Qu- yeah, air quote fancy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> old navy uh, old navy olive garden or red lobster is my quote fancy well, I'm, I'm glad we are not going to old navy uh sorry I'm, I'm glad we're old not navy going to red brain. lobster because yes we are going to olive garden ah that was so great um so this comes to us um out of naples florida please florida people correct me if i'm ever s- spelling or saying a a city wrong down there because just like Oklahoma, you guys down there have right. some have some funky names. Yeah. Um. So this comes to us from Naples, Florida, uh, Monday, April eighth, twenty nineteen. Uh, the headline. Uh, this comes to us from the NBC affiliate down there. Drunk shirtless Florida man arrested after shoveling spaghetti in his mouth at Olive Garden. Yep. Oh yeah. We're we're back to the food one. Just Sam. another weekend for Here me. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> sure it is a drunk shirtless naples man that's oh, really funny now i hear that you say that <laughs> golly drunk shirtless naples man was arrested at an olive garden sunday after shoveling spaghetti into his mouth uh the police were called to an olive garden uh, on fifth street south because 32 year old ben paget was quote-unquote causing a disturbance according to the police report uh, police found Paget sitting on a bench near the front door, shirtless and shoveling spaghetti into his mouth with his hands. A strong smell of alcohol came from him as well. Uh, according to the police report, Paget was asking people for money uh, as they walked up to the door. He then threatened a restaurant employee who asked him to stop, saying uh, some words that I'm not going to say Perfect. on a podcast. Um, when the employee went back inside to call the police, Paget followed him in and asked the employee loudly um uh, some other things that i'm also not going to read on this podcast <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> uh when they finally uh when police arrested paget uh you know when they put him in handcuffs uh he began twisting his body and kicking his legs um so they uh so after they after police arrested him got uh, you know put him into the back of a police car this man this story just keeps getting better and better patchett started smashing his forehead onto the metal cage of God. the car's partition uh he was charged with disorderly intoxication and resisting an officer without violence <laughs> just apparently another day at olive garden <laughs> another day oh man what i would do to go 
live in Florida for like a year, first off, that sentence alone, we could stop there. What I would do to live in Florida for a year. Um, but then work at just a random restaurant and make a book of what happens in that year because this is really good. <laughs> um, gosh, I love this segment so much. I, I kind of stumbled upon that one. I was, I was searching for a date and I, and then there was a couple of ones that came up for April 8th, but drunk shirtless. I mean, that's instantly, that's, that's gonna, it. That's going to get me to click. It's good. Drunk bait. shirtless and spaghetti. Yeah, drunk shirtless and Olive Garden. Just another That's typical all you weekend. Need. That's right. <laughs> not oh. really, not really. <laughs> I love that. I hardly um, go to Olive Garden. It's, it's too expensive for me. And I'm lactose intolerant, so the only thing I can get there is spaghetti, and I don't want to pay 18 bucks for a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah, but you also eat ice cream, so. Right, mm, well. We, I still think you're lying about that. No way. Anyways, that's my soapbox. Um, and that's our Florida man segment. So like always, just thank you guys again for staying and listening to us. Um, our audience keeps growing. Um, like I've mentioned before on our anchor app, it shows us how many views we have. Or listens, you know, depending Sorry. on, depending on who you ask. Most of the time it's listens. But I don't know why I do that. If it's you, it's, it's views. <laughs> Um, it shows how many listens we have and each week we keep going up by a hundred. Now we are at 700 listens, um, which is wild. Um, which means, uh, that's just so cool. And so super cool to see numbers grow. Um, we get a little graph that kind of shows like the timeline of when people are listening. Um, Oh, it's just super cool. And also, it's super cool that um, for whatever reason, apparently we're we're broadening our international uh, big audience. time. Um, I'll shout out to you people in Australia if you still are listening at this point. Good day. <laughs> and now we have lost all <laughs> of the Australian <laughs> listeners. But no, anyway, I mean, but for real, like it's it's super cool. I'm very analytical person, and it's super cool to. Um, you know, see all these places. I'll just name off a couple, or just I'll name off some. You know, uh, the the top listens: Australia, Canada, Denmark, the UK, Ireland, Germany, Norway, Belgium, Mexico, Philippines. I can do accents so, so for all of those. No, so bring not, it on. <laughs> you know, it, it, we, we, I can't even <laughs> formulate a sentence on that. I almost said if if we get to like a hundred listens on this episode. Hey, I think we might release a bonus one. A challenge? A ch- yeah, a challenge. Yeah, I'm dishing out the first challenge. <laughs> we can hit a hundred episode or hundred plays on this, Sam. And this better not be you. <laughs> I listen over and over and over again. Um, but, but yeah. yeah, thanks Australia. That's super cool. Thanks everybody. Right. One. Sorry. Yes. Thank um, you. But yeah, because and even in the United States, we're getting a lot of listens from. People actually in Florida. I mean, obviously, we've got a lot of people in Oklahoma that listen because... In Texas. Texas. Um, shout out to our couple people out in Arizona. Um, hey, Mom. Michelle Suarez. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, New York, California, they're, it's it's popping up all over the place. We're worldwide, people. It's We're a big deal. <laughs> just, so just, just let Sam keep thinking that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that's probably enough of a, a ramble on... At the end of this episode. Right. So that's it. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
like always, you can follow our social medias. We post, I'll post, I post all of our um, source material on our Facebook page. If you want additional um, resources or want additional articles to read or anything, you can find it there. And then make sure to rate, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, obviously, when you guys do that, it helps us because our views do go up and new people are able to find our podcasts. Um, and then if you have crime suggestions, our email is crimeologypod at gmail.com. You can email us and we can um, put that as an episode. So like always, I am Sam. And I am Steven. And this is Crimeology. Crimeology.